here we go. Three, two, one, cue in. Hi, I'm Luke Campbell and I work for a small wine company and he's... Uh, I'm Luke Morris and I, um, I'm sitting next to a sign that says organised. It's a neon sign. It's bright. Let's go. We're organised. Go. Together we are Luke's Talk Wine who talk about all things wine and booze and popular culture. Think when to drink, why we drink it and the culture that surrounds drinking. Hello, Luke. G'day, Campbell. How's it going, mate? I've been better, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Looking forward to health chat with Luke Campbell. <laughs> uh, welcome, everybody. Thanks, the listening audience. Thanks for tuning in to Luke's Talk Wine, episode 14, season two. Have we got an episode for you? I hope so. This week is... Um, Luke Morris actually asked, is there 17 faults in wine? Really? Yeah, no, no, that was months ago. Yeah, we'd never gone on to that. And uh, so we're going to revisit that. And a question comes in from uh, Shane in Chelsea Heights. He says, what's the worst thing you blokes have ever drunk? So we will talk to you about that, Shane, in a very short while. But first, as always in every episode, <laughs> Luke Morris, what's been happening in your wine world this week, pal? Uh, yeah, everything. Oh, no, not everything. I've been – I'm still trying to put together the um, uh, Hottest 100 wines. So keep your um, suggestions flooding in. Um, but um, what else is there? Oh, I was thinking because I ran a um, – promotion where for the wines that I sold on a given day last week, I think it was, I um, donated the commission that I earned through work to charity. And then I told work about it and they were quite interested. And it just got, made me think a little bit about wines that do some good, you know, wines that we and, – and processes to, to um, give back to the community in some sort of way. There's Brose. I think we, we've mentioned Chris Catlow a few times. I think he made a, yeah. a Brose and donated it to donate proceeds to um, men's health causes. Men's health, yeah. Yep. Um, but I don't know too many other uh, – oh, there's, there's the Homeless Grapes Project that somebody else makes and they, um, uh, they help fund homelessness through basically they get grapes that don't have a home because sometimes there's excess of vintage that happens and then they um, they get winemakers to go make that and then proceeds go to charity. There was there's also fundraising. There was old fundraising back in the day when vineyards, and it still happens, when vineyards burn down, sometimes other growers in the area will donate fruit and create a wine to get that vineyard back up and running. So there's lots of little oh, yes. there things is a lot that of people that. do. Yeah. But yeah, that's that was what I was curious about this week. Just how um how wine companies and wineries you know, do do some good in the community. Grapes um, for good, Luke Morris. Grapes for good. What's that one? No, that's just that was just me just hypothesizing. That oh. was what you were talking about. That was the topic. <laughs> Grapes for good. The- a new company called Grapes for Good. There you go. I'm sure it's been done before, but we can do it again. No, oh, I'll, I'll check out the URL. If somebody else owns it, then we might as well not bother. You know, the business <laughs> name's half the, the battle. You know. It is, absolutely. If, if it says what it does on the tin, then you know what you got. Hi, this is Luke Morris from Luke's Talk Wine. I've written some books, so visit Luke Morris. Ha! 
lucasfilmsfestival.com.au. Go there, see the books, buy one, support the podcast. That's lukemorrisha.com.au, L-U-K-E-M-O-R-R-I-S-H-A.com.au. Have a great day. Well, yeah, that's right. So unlike a wine that's faulty, Luke Morris, have you had any faulty wines lately? Nothing that I'd say is within the 17 realms of wine faults. But you've researched this. What would go into it? Well, you know, in, in in any particular wine that is finished under cork, there can be 17 different faults in a wine. <laughs> yeah. Are you 11, making this up or is this I'm something not, that's real? I'm not. This is something that is real. I, I yeah. went and did the uh, AWRI sensory assessment five-day course many, many years ago. Yeah. Um, and there is actually 17 faults. In any wine that's finished under cork closure, there can be up to 17 faults. Ah, so when you if, told if, me that you uh, did some research for this podcast, Shock Horror, and um, uh, was looking for the 17 faults, you weren't just like trying to add up like cork taint and 13 different types of cork taint and others, other. You actually went to find historically what those specific 17 are. Yes, I did. Great. Okay, lay, us on, lay, yeah. lay them on us. Lay them on us? Well, I mean... Lay Where do you start, us. really? It's a long list. So, um, you know, we might bore the listeners uh, silly with the list. But first up, let's go with the big ones, right? So oxidation. Oxidation's a, you know, a, a big one. So particularly in white wines and, you know, we've all had the experience with the Burgundy during the, the 90s of premature oxidization and things like that. But it's, yep. it's a common fault with white wines in Australia, particularly, you know, like... In the 70s and 60s and 70s, oxidation's much less common today, but that's a, that's a fault. Yep. Uh, vol- volatile acidity, VA. So this term probably, you know, a lot a lot of people are, are familiar with, but it's a real measure of wine's quality, um, and it's VA is a kind of negative connotation. That volatile acidity is kind of um, what is it, Lukey? Nail polish, I'm thinking. Well, yeah, nail polish, but it's basically excess carbon, carbonic acid, you know. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and it is. Yeah, it smells like nail polish remover. It gives you that kind of vinegar or acetate kind of note, so that's no good. Um, ethyl, ethyl acetate is an extension of that, and it, it begins the wine's flavour comes out stripped, um, so it just comes out flat and, you know, basically that's all, all, all the yeasts have been so strained and so stretched that you get these kind of really wacky um, dissolved stinky egg oxygen kind of notes. Uh, so that's number three, probably the people are aware of. Mousiness. Mousiness is a big one. Mousiness, well, everyone knows what that is. It's that cracker biscuit kind of caged mice um, just renders a wine undrinkable. It's kind of a bit all the rage now at the moment in natural wines, but mousiness is mousiness, right? So if you're drinking wines and it's got that kind of undrinkable... So this, is, this is a fault that uh, is named after what it smells like. Pretty much, absolutely. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, ugly, ugly. Um, reduction was a good one. So, uh, re- reductive wine faults, Luth Morris. So that kind of um, that's not to do with the yellage. That's not like the wine disappearing out of the bottle. <laughs> no, the wine, it's not the, the wine, wine reducing isn't part of the problem. Though I think plenty of consumers have identified that as a problem with their bottles. 
Um, but there are, there are a range of volatile sulfur compounds and these become reductive wine faults. So those kind of um, ugly sulfur compound, you know, contribute to that stinky wet cardboard note, their kind of um, re- reduction. And we, reduction wine faults and reductive winemaking are two very different things, but we won't kind of bore people to death with those. If you wish to know a little bit more, we can bore you to death via the email in long form. Just get in contact with us at lukestalkwine yeah. at gmail.com. By all means, if can, anybody's uh, interested in more of these topics, we can, we can, we can go back to them. Hydrogen sulfide, so um, stinky egg, that, um, you know, excess sulfur, that rotten egg, that's, uh, you know, a common, common fault, that, which is just ugly. We all know what rotten egg smells like. So sulfides, that would be referred to. Um, it's probably worth pointing out that when you're talking about the, all these sulfides and acids and things like that, um, while some things are added to wine, a lot of this is just, natural within the winemaking process well not natural but just faults that happen during the process it's not like someone's playing chemical having chemical funsies and they have stuffed it up (laughs) uh excess so2 so um sulfur dioxide is a natural it's one of the two preservatives that's permitted in wine production but excess sulfur dioxide can really really stink uh and it can it's used to inhibit um, microbial activity but if you use too much of it or not enough you can get a real stench um, so there's another fault um, I, I continue SO2 smells too much like a salty kind of thing that's me but I don't know yeah, no, that, that's that's very common you know that yeah. um, SO2 excess SO2 would be uh, have that salinity note absolutely yep. uh, and then there's a the big one old mate uh, Brett so, Brettomyces. So, Brettomyces is actually a, a like a, it's a phenol. It's a it can come from different bacteria. It's a, it's a kind of a compound, but it throws up that kind of medicinal, pharmaceutical band aid kind of character to particularly um, red wines, and it is a it is a kind of funny one, isn't it? Some people. Are happy with it. If you drink a lot of beer, you would have come across Brett a lot because brewers entice it into a lot of different beers. Um, but if you drink it in, um, if you're seeing it in wine, red wines, it's actually not really that fun, is it, Luke Morris? No, well, it depends, Campbell. Not to, I, I'm not, I'm by no means mean to poo-poo your favourite place on earth, the Hunter Valley, but <laughs> the Hunter had a reputation that a lot of their wines had Brett. Within it, Brettomyces, not a person named Brett, even though that would be fun too. But uh, Brettomyces f- fingerprinting on the wine, and it's just something once you get in the, it's like a spore. Once you get in the winery, it's sort of, you know, it's it's like it's like a a, a gentle old man with dandruff. Slowly, little bits of him will be deposited all over the place, and you know, you can you can sort of tell they've been there. So, so those top five or six there, so they're all wine. <laughs> skipping so straight all... over that analogy. But fair enough. <laughs> I'm not getting involved with old men and what they deposit. Um, <laughs> but so they're, they're all wine taints effectively and that, that happens, that those um, microorganism things happen in the winemaking process. Then you move on to cork taint or, or um, 
cork tank faults, if you will. The big one is TCA. Uh, don't even ask me to pronounce. Um, uh, try, 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 yeah, acid something, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, TCA. basically it's the most odorous compound. It throws up those distinct musty kind of um, wet cardboard horse kind of characteristics in your wine and yep. it's a direct derivative from the spoilage of the cork. So, it's, yeah, not not so good. Wine, wine 101, it's, a, it's the entire reason why wine uh, smelliers or people in restaurants used to hand you a glass of wine just to let you taste it and sniff it before uh, consuming because they relied on your palate to tell them whether or not the cork had gone faulty and they had to open up a completely different bottle. Mm. Mm. There you go. Smellyers indeed. Um... um so that's nine, I think. Keep going. Yep. So you've got then you've got um, methoxypyrazine, so a, a fair step from those Sauvignon Blancs of New Zealand, which are green naturally. If you get too much of methoxy, um, you get this kind of almost fungal and musty note. It is this, it's probably the second most important cork fault. You actually get it from underripe cork. Uh, and so it smells and looks a little bit like TCA. It's just way more prominent, uh, which is methoxypyrene. So it's, they are closely related to the pyrazines you find in Cabernet and Sauvignon Blanc, very closely related. But um, it is, again, um, that found usually in neutral white wines, but you can get them in reds as well. Um, smoke taint. Smoke taint. Okay, smoke taint's yeah. in there. Yeah, yeah. So right. burnt, smoky, burnt, ashy, medicinal kind of characteristics. That comes from um, fires usually in the area, particularly, yeah, because um, it lands on the berries and, it, you know, it just doesn't wash off berries that easily. It can. Yeah. Well, it's still a fault. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, no, no. I'll, 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 let, yeah. you, I'll let you have a smoke tank. Go on. Yeah, right out. Um, how many are we up to? We must be getting close, aren't we? Yeah, are, you, are you really making them up now? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I only did so much research for the podcast. Ten. What about um, You've you had ten. You got seven to go. Are what about just... the one? What about the one from your neck of the woods, which comes up a lot in conversation? Actually, um, you know, you, you lick your senol, you know, like elliptical, like um, so the eucalyptus aroma in red wines, particularly from some regions, that that mint-like character is often considered a. Uh, oh really? Yeah, that's, that's regionality. That's like trying to have a go at uh, Chablis for being, t- you know, to have too much stony characters to it. So the, the eucalyptus in the environment is terroir. Do they consider the that a fault? Eucalyptol at a certain um, a certain level is fine, but once it releases uh, too much, it actually becomes a fault, and it's actually not very much. It's like, um, you know. 20 grams per hectolitre or something. It's actually not that much. So anyway, if we go back and yeah. define what a fault is, what you're saying is anything that would override the fruit flavour is a fault. Yes, I am. Okay, so can we add oak usage? Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because oak flavours have a number of faults. So um, particularly in, you know, cork compound or whatever, um, absolutely, you could use the wrong type of... Um, uh, yeah, you can. I'll give you that. Absolutely. Cool. Well, that, that helps you because that gets you another one down. <laughs> well, by, by the same, um, by the same, 
uh, factor. Conversely, like eulipticol and that senol, which is that eucalyptus characteristic. Conversely, you can have the one with pepper. I'm not exactly sure what that's called, but it is also um, found in red grapes in cool climate Shiraz, and that that compound can be um, considered a fault if too much. Um, yeah, you know what I'm talking about the the potent kind of grape derived peppery spicy number rotundone which is that off kind of spicy peppery note which is which is kind of almost the antithesis or put up alongside um your eucalyptus kind of funky one as well and these these two if they're in, in too much these are considered wine faults so I'm probably Where does rotundone uh, come from? Is that a rotundone is a derivative from the skins of cool, generally cool climate red grapes, whether it be Cabernet or Shiraz, and and what once pressed uh, rotundone comes out of the skin and combined with certain uh, sulfides and things creates that peppery, spicy characteristic. So you remember the old E and E black pepper Shiraz, and yeah. you know not not only did they pick that earlier, but they used to cold soak the skins a lot longer to get that kind of rotundone characteristic oh, out cool. of the grapes. Yeah, uh-huh. but in too much, it's considered a fault. Um, you know, just just like uh, that eulipticol is as well. So, I mean, I'm sure we've bought have we bought enough people seventeen times over with all these faults. So you got three to go, I, Campbell. Oh what? <laughs> yes. Um, oh, banana, really? banana, banana, banana character. Yeah, that's a fault within beer, but they do it on purpose to get wheat beer. Do you know? Is, is sometimes you pick up banana well, in some wines. Is is there similarity yeah. within the yeast process there? Well, that'd have to be something similar, wouldn't it? That'd have to be like a um. Yeah, I can't answer that actually. I'm um, just trying to help you out. <laughs> you've, you've absolutely stumped me with banana, but you're right. You can certain white wines come up with that kind of almost, um, yeah, that that kind of candied note. You're right. Um, yeah, yeah uh, I don't know. Carbonic maceration. Can you get any faults within that? Is is that? Uh, well, that's that where a lot of those a lot of those excess sulfurs come out. They're kind of uh, additive okay. related. They're additive related faults from Cabernet. So, um, so when people are trying to play around with skin contact too much, you, you you you're playing a dicey game. Yes. So, um, what what about DMS? We didn't touch on that. So the um, DMS. That yeah, sounds like so something the, in the bedroom, mate. What are you, what are you doing? <laughs> no, well, the excess sulfides in aged wine. So we didn't touch on that. So they're, they're the major compounds found. They're formed during the maturation of the wine in bottle. And so the, the, they come out down the track. Not a lot of aged wine these days, but the ones that do can fall prey to DMS. It's described as a fault. You get that kind of asparagus um, cooked corn molassesy kind of note uh it is it is an excess sulfide but it, it binds to the kind of yeast and excess coppers in the wine and comes out over time um it's closely related to nitrogen so it kind of stinks again like that kind of cooked vegetable do you know um, what that sounds exactly like an aged wine that people had recently and i was like i don't like this this isn't good aged character and they're like oh no it's aged characters you know and i was just like that it's too it's too asparagusy it's too capsicumy it's too green oh, it could have green been. yeah 
as an Actually, aged you just line. reminded me, we never mentioned McCaptain. So McCaptain is that kind of rubber-like, oniony, uh, green kind of... It, it's a it's a egg and cabbage kind of green vegetal note as well. McCaptain, what am I up to now? That's 15, isn't it? Jeez, no, I'm that's 17, close. I reckon. Oh, ding, 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 ding. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Count bang, bang, bang. Yeah. Ah. So there's a lot of them out there for the, list, for the listening, for the listening audience. There's probably a few of miss. <laughs> and there's probably a few of them miss. Obviously, not a lot of these can come out uh, if your wine's under Stelvin. 11 oh. of them can, um, but uh, 17 in general. Dormant yeast, if you, have a, if you have a wine that will go through yeah. a secondary fermentation within the bottle and the bottle can go... Um, if there's cork, don't. Not all bottles that go pop have a have uh, a fizz. But if there's a fizz within there and it's not supposed to, there's a fault. You've got some um, uh, live yeast or, or sugar that's being eaten by some live yeast still in the bottle, creating a secondary fermentation. The other thing, and here's a question for you, because this is just a story I've been told, and I don't know the entire issue to it, is that it used to be a little bit of an offence in I heard this in England where snobby old wine show judges would drop a copper coin into a, a glass as a, as a sort of symbolism that the wine had too much X and it needed to be cleaned up by sulphur, uh, by copper. And I assume, mm. is, would that be the sulphur? The sul- yeah. sulphur gets cleaned by copper. Mm. That's true. That's true? All right. Yeah. There you go. I've answered my own question, but there, that was a that was a thing I heard once because it was it got passed on to me as something I was quite offended that that would take place in a wine that they made. Anyway, there you go. Yeah. Now Shane Wright <laughs> this week very good afternoon. Good night. What's um he writes a very interesting question actually. And you and I have shared plenty of great wines and thankfully not many bad wines over the journey. But he writes, what's the worst thing you blokes have drunk? Um, um for me to be honest with you, uh, certain types of gin. Bloody, oh, I gin. can't stand gin that doesn't gin. taste like gin. Yeah, no, I don't know. Some gins just taste like battery acid i don't know um i've had some i've had some things that i can't drink but i, I assume shane's referring to a, like the worst bottle of wine and i think that's a bit no names that's it no names name names i think that's a bit rude because i, t- I don't know i'm trying to remember, probably you know, okay now that i think about it in this terms because i was going to say if any wine that somebody likes is a good wine don't worry. Don't. There's no point in saying things are bad wine because there's somebody out there who likes it. Um, Reading reception wines are often the shit. That's a technical <laughs> term, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> there's, you know, there's no wine fault to it. It's just barely. No, it's um. That's all I can really think of in terms of. That's why there's always the hunt to find good Reading reception wine. <laughs> Yes, that, that is a that that still goes on today, ladies and gentlemen. We still, as wine buyers and wine uh, purveyors, we still look for great wedding wines. Um, but what about you, Campbell? Have you, have, are you are you thinking of names that you want to name? 
Well, you know, you and we've spoken that about this on this program before. When you go into a wine store, you know, you and I, we both go and look for something quirky. We look around the store and generally pick something, you know, that's off the beaten track in the back corner or whatever. And you often might find something um, a little bit different or worthwhile with a story. I think we once said back on episode eighteen. Yeah, um, if you're going to bring it to somebody else or something, you might as well tell them. You know, if you're going to say why, what's this for? Well. I've never had blah 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 before. Let's find out, you know. So mm. this, you but know. I um so I've had several of those experiences, and I often don't mind, you know, just having a little rifle through the bargain bin either. You know, <laughs> often you can pull out a little bit of something, something. But very early on in my career, yeah. when uh, I had started collecting, and I had a couple of bottles of Cabernet in my cellar, and I had some, I had some uh, wins Coonawarra, and I thought, gee, Coonawarra is a, a a great region and i was in this bargain bin in this store actually in the back blocks of sydney this particular day and i was hunting through the bargain bin and i was a lowly waiter at that stage i hadn't yet found the real thirst for booze but i was looking for a white wine to tuck into over the weekend and i knew coonawarra was a great region and okay. a well-established region and <laughs> i found a white wine from rouge homme I, I knew rouge homme were a great red wine producer yeah and i thought gee this is going to be good rouge homme you know famous australian producer from a great region which is the coonawarra and it was it was in a white bottle and i thought oh that's strange it was clear the bottle it looked oh, you know, and, oh good idea and, yeah <laughs> And I thought, gee, this is going to be good. And, you know, and I thought, oh, yeah, right. And it was clear and it, it had a little bit of age on it and because it just looked almost kind of not not white, but it looked a little bit yellow in the, in the clear bottle. Okay. I thought, oh, Rouge Homme, it's a white wine from Rouge Homme from the Coonawarra. This is going to be fantastic. So I, I dove into the... The, You're looking the for that that, that that uh, yet to be fully unearthed uh, market market of the yellow wine. Yes, I, I was yet to, it was definitely yet to be unearthed. I'll give it a tip, but it was none other than the spanking 1995 version of Rouge Homme Coonawarra Sauvignon Blanc. Oh, yum! And- <laughs> Aged Sauvignon Blanc. Aged Sauvignon Blanc. This was peak 99, I reckon. So it was probably five or six years of uh, age in in the bargain bin for about 15 bucks at the time. It was a lot of money back those days. Yes, yeah, um, so it isn't cheap, really. It, it wasn't really cheap, but it was a lot less than 20 bucks, which was my budget. And I thought, you yeah, beauty, um, you know, because I wasn't earning that much in those days. And I thought, you yeah, beauty, from the Coonawarra route, tick, tick, tick. I've got regionality. I've got a great. Uh, Providence. Oh, you haven't really got regionality, issue. have you? <laughs> well, in those days, as a young waiter, Luke Morris, I had no idea that Sauvignon uh, Blanc wasn't meant to grow on the red terrorosa soils of Coonawarra. Uh, you could have stopped that sentence that <laughs> Sauvignon Blanc wasn't meant to grow, but anyway, I'll let you keep going. <laughs> so, yeah, unbeknownst to uh, the rest of the listening audience, I did take it home and I did pull the cork on this aged Sauvignon Blanc. Um, and proceeded to drink it. But it was quite honestly, uh, back to your question, Shane, the worst thing I've ever put past my lips outside of uh, tequila shots in Denmark, which is never a good <laughs> idea, whatever country you're in. <laughs> but this Rouge Homme, uh, yeah, aged Sauvignon Blanc, oh, my goodness. It was. Uh, it had It had at least 13 of those 17 faults we uh, previously noted. <laughs> 
It was un. It was unbelievable. It was horrible. Luke Let's Morris. go back to him a moment, though. Um, tequila <laughs> shots in Denmark. There's a story there. <laughs> you buried the lead there, says Luke yeah, Morris. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I've tequila. Got questions. <laughs> well, the, the, the Danes actually do enjoy a drink. The great thing about Danish culture is um, not only are they social drinkers, not unlike the French, actually, they drink before during and after the meal and all of what they drink is you know either to complement the meal or to complement the body i.e digestion or whatever and what was and so, tequila complimenting that night well, i've got no idea we drink plenty of it <laughs> <laughs> i was trying to frame that about how culturally aware we were but I we, don't we were just <laughs> it was just late at night tequila shots in denmark um uh, yeah but Good all, all also not a good idea. Drink responsibly, ladies and gentlemen. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, Rouge Homme, Sauvignon Blanc, aged Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah, not a good thing to pass by one's lips. So I'll give it a hit. But Do you know what? I'm this... not going to badmouth um, this this wine too much, but uh, uh, Pinot Noir from the Heathcote region. Ooh. Not, not on the to-do list again. Mm. Uh, just... no, there's a lesson there, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, there's, 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 the lesson is, um, oh, that's interesting. What's that taste like? Hmm. Now we see why it's not known for Pinot Noir. <laughs> well, as long as you're learning, isn't that? I, I, I learned. I never drank tequila in Denmark ever again. Um... Oh, I bet you would take that chance if you could, though. <laughs> and I also, I, I also, I do still find it hard to purchase a clear wine, a wine in oh, a no. clear bottle. No, 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 no. You don't see it much think, anymore, do you? Yeah, but things to look out for, ladies and gentlemen. Wine in a clear bottle, that's one. It is, it is not a good sign. It's not a good sign, Wine, wine yeah, doesn't like sunlight. I can't remember all the scientific things as to why, but uh, sunlight... Uh, um, that's why they put beer in a, in a coloured bottle, right? It's why, it's why, yeah, beer and wine are in coloured bottles and green bottles because it um, helps prevent sunlight uh, creating a decomposition, some sort of, um, yeah, breakdown of the components due to the sunlight. You don't want it. Don't do it. Yeah. Steer clear. Yeah. Simple as that. Hey, what's... Um, but just um, amazingly, yeah. What have you been drinking this week? <laughs> it's a great secret. Did you like, did you like that? Did you like that build up? That pause, pause for effect. Not really. I was, I was you didn't know what was. You didn't know what was coming then. I knew where you were going, but I was just like, it, it's like trying to uh, crank start a car. It's like, oh, God, we've moved on from that. Technology has passed you, mate. Um. <laughs> What am I drinking this week, pal? That's what you usually ask, something like that. Uh, I'm yep. going to go out with a mate on Saturday. You were invited, but you're not coming anymore, you jerk. And um, we're going to go to... <laughs> Tell me what you really think. Oh, I, I pretty much did. Um, uh, we're going to go have... I think we're going to go to Chinese. Um, and there's going to be oh, dumplings let me and other things involved. Because your counterpart wants to drink Riesling. 
Ah, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I think you know exactly who the counterpart is. Um, And I was tossing out what to what to bring, and I don't think he listens. He probably won't listen to this podcast in in time to find out. So I'm thinking of an Al Bruno um, to bring from Rack Spices uh, over in Spain. That's under cork. Under cork. So I'll bring myself a bottle opener as well, and. Away she goes. That's Away she goes. And you know it's, it's going to be un- undercork because the Spanish take out, look after their Portuguese friends and uh, use cork. Well, I really hope you enjoy that, Albrino. And in, in my, uh, I'll have more piece, of it than uh, you will. <laughs> please enjoy uh, your counterpart's reasoning as well. Uh, he does love uh, an age reasoning, and we haven't spoken about reasoning on Luke's talk reasoning for a while, actually. But uh, if you're out there, folks, and you are looking in that bargain bin, pull out a reasoning next time. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, reason is okay. What are you drinking, Campbell? Oh, what? A, well, I went down. Um, I went down the back to the blends over the the weekend. It wasn't your average blend, mind you. It was a Shiraz Pinot blend in the spirit of Maurice O'Shea and the history uh, of McWilliams Mount Pleasant. Oh wow! Or Mount, Mount Pleasant in those days. He. Maurice O'Shea did that kind of light, dry red with the Shiraz and the Pinot, and and I discovered one actually from Giant Steps um, in in a bottle, um, thinking this is just delicious, and it was. It was really utterly gluggable and you know really vibrant. That kind of purple fruit from the Shiraz, but then it had this kind of lively aromatic lift and hint of acid from the Pinot. It was it was a great drink actually. Sounds like a a, a working blend. So yeah. Yeah, no, it really was, you know, like it uh, was just in the um, in, in the bargain bin. LDR, it's called Giant Steps, under thirty bucks. It was uh, it was a bloody ripper. Good work. Hey, I've been Luke Campbell. <laughs> Thanks very much for listening. You can find me on the socials at vinified underscore wine underscore services. He's been Luke Morris. Where do we find you, Luke Morris? Uh, you can email lukestalkwine at gmail.com and follow up any of those questions and you can find me on uh, one of my at Luke Morris Hut. And don't forget as well, Luke Morris was serious. We are combining, we are combining our thoughts and drinking habits and we are putting together a Luke's Talk Wine Hottest 100 style wine list before between now and the end of the year. Send wines. Not without vintage, just your favourite wines that you reckon belong in the list. And Luke and I are going to put that together oh. um, in the lead up. So yeah, I think it's, there's, there's, a, there's a Daft Punk blend. I, th- I can't remember who it's by, but they're in South Australia and that's got to be in, the, in that list. Really good wines. Yep. Yes, excellent. Well, thank you very much to the listening audience. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Luke Morris. Will, we, will you be back next week? Yeah, let's do that. Excellent. Well, God willing, we'll both be here. So in the words of Tony Barber, keep smiling and bye for now. Vinified are the wine cellars specialists. We're Australia's only personal sommelier service. Our sommeliers work with you to build your cellar. Our aim is to bring you the wines from the freshest new producers, all based on your tastes. We can come to you, source your wines, present tastings, Think of Vinified as your wine concierge. We can do retail, we can do tastings, we can host your dinner parties, or we can procure you that rare wine. 
Vinified is proud to be associated with Luke's Talk Wine. www.vinified.com.au